welcome to the Grow My Salon Business podcast, where we focus on the business side of hairdressing. I'm your host, Anthony Whitaker, and I'll be talking to thought leaders in the hairdressing industry, discussing insightful, provocative, and inspiring ideas that matter. So get ready to learn, get ready to be challenged, get ready to be inspired, and most importantly, get ready to grow your salon business. There's a big change afoot, and none of us can afford to ignore it. It's been driven by generational changes, different values and new ways of thinking and working. But most importantly, it's being driven by a sense of urgency about taking better care of our planet and the people in it. Business values, buzzwords and phrases like socially and environmentally responsible, sustainable ingredients, environmental performance, balancing purpose and profit, and creating inclusive economies are no longer just the language of a few, they're becoming the language of the many. My guest on today's podcast is Feline Wells, owner of the Let Em Have It Salon, which is situated in Denver, Colorado, and is one of only three B Corp salons in the world. So in today's podcast, we will discuss what exactly is a B Corp salon, We're going to talk about sustainability and hairdressing salons, and we're going to talk about the impact that all this has on salon business, from salon culture and the business model to the impact that it has on local community and beyond, and lots more. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Feline Wells. Thank you so much, Anthony, for having me today. I'm so excited to share our story. It is really good to have you here. I've been, you know, doing a lot of research on on who you are and what your background is, and I know that our audience are going to get a lot out of today. So uh, let me start off by, um, you know, putting it over to you to just basically just give us a little introduction for two or three minutes. Who is Feline Wells, and what makes the Let Them Have It Salon special? Sure. Um, so I've been a stylist now for seventeen years. And I retired from behind the chair last July to put a 100% commitment on growing our team and um, training and just having a better culture. Um, so, so yeah, my husband and I own the salon together. He's uh, my silent partner. He also, we also own a coffee shop and a cafe as well. Cool. Okay. Well, that all sounds very interesting. Good place to get your coffee every morning. Yeah. So, <laughs> Um, I just introduced this this phrase, which um, I'm pretty much going to guarantee that no one on our audience has heard of it before, and that is B Corp. So um, what exactly is a B Corp business? You sent me a link and I, I researched it, and uh, that's why well, one of the reasons why I wanted to get you on the show, because I, I thought it was really impressive, and I thought it was uh, uh, this whole B Corp thing is um, – you know, it's the way the world is going, as I said in the introduction, or has to go. And forward-thinking people in lots of different business sectors are embracing it as the way forward. And it's fantastic to hear that you are. And uh, hopefully, you won't be um, only one of three salons that are B Corp businesses for too long. So um, the floor is yours. Let's talk about the B Corp. What does a B Corp business? What's it all about? So B Corporation to us means that we basically are using um, our business as a force for good. So it's a framework to have a better culture. Um, And it's kind of like what fair trade is to coffee. 
um, taking it back to coffee again, but um, what fair trade is to coffee. And so when you look at a package of coffee and you see fair trade, you know, instantly you can trust that brand. Okay. So what, what we wanted to provide for our consumers and our employees is that, you know, you don't have to worry when you come to us about what your, you know, impact is going to be on the environment, what type of products that you're purchasing, any of those kinds of things, how we treat our workers, because they see that B and they know that that means that we're, you know, doing good. Um, B Corporation is an assessment and it's rigorous. It actually took us two and a half years to complete. Um, and it's basically checking off all things from governance, um, how you treat your workers, to community, to sustainability. And you have to provide documentation to prove that you're doing all these things. So it's more than just buzzwords. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so um, I know when I looked on their website, there was some some facts on there, which... Um, you know, really jumped out at me. First, at first, I'm just going to reel them off. Uh, there are 3,243 different companies that are B Corp companies at the point of, you know, when I wrote that down, uh, representing 150 different industries in 71 different countries. So it's not just an American thing. And that, yeah. they, have, and that they have one unifying goal. W what is that one unifying goal? Um, well, I think it's to make sure that you're holding yourselves accountable as a business that you are putting people and the planet over profit. Okay. Um, I think that people shop with values in mind is what I've noticed. Um, and that includes employees. So to me, it's having a better business and it's not just about the money. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So, um, what other, big brands that people would have heard of um, are B Corp businesses? Um, well, I think everybody knows of Patagonia. Yeah. I would say they're probably the largest. Um, our product company that we carry, Davines, they're a B Corporation. Okay. And they were the first hair professional hair company to become one and the only one. Um, and then also Eileen Fisher, she's another B Corporation. She's a fashion designer um, line. and if you go to their website, it shows the practices of, you know, just ethical workers. And it's not, you know, practices like sweatshops and, um, you know, where they source their materials. Those type of things are so important that we forget about sometimes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I saw companies as well on that, on the list when I was scrolling through, I mean, there's all sorts from banks, uh, IT companies. I know Heat Hootsuite, um, was a B Corp. I know Allbirds, a shoe company, and even Ben and Jerry's. So yes. it, it's interesting. There's a very diverse range of big, you know, companies that are on there that recognize, um, you know, this shift that's happening, that it is, you know, in a lot of ways, it's, it's you know, there, there, some of these things are, they're great taglines, but they are also, they're more than just a tagline. Like I, I love the one you mentioned that um, it, it's, it's um, a force for good, that business um, is a force for good. And um, uh, what was the other one that, you know, that there are, that you put, that you put purpose or that you balance purpose and profit. Um, mm -hmm. You know, all these things, yes, they're nice catchy buzz phrases, but they're a lot more than that because they really do, um, you know, represent the sort of culture that lies behind that business and how they treat their people. It really sets them up to, 
you know, not just have those as buzzwords, because, I mean, we've all seen, you know, big multinational companies that have their value statement written on the wall, but it's just wallpaper. They don't actually live by it. And, right. you know, the, the feeling that I got when I was sort of reading through all this was that, wow, if you're going to, you know, nail this to the mast, you've, you've really got to live up to these values. And as a result, you'll attract, um, you know, suppliers, clients, employees, etc. cetera, um, that, you know, see those things as being important and that's got to be good for everybody. Definitely. Um, so what, what with, uh, when you said you had to do a, I forget the term that you use that you said you had to be audited or something by them. Uh, what, what was that like? What, what are the, what are some of the things if, if I'm a salon owner out there listening to this and I'm thinking, mm, okay, that sounds interesting. You know, being a B Corp salon, um, what do they have to do? you know, to, to become a B Corp registered salon. I think you just said it took you over a year for it to happen. Yeah, it took us two and a half years, actually. Right. Um, you know, this happened just because I was working on a client and she thought, are you guys a B Corporation? And I thought, no, we're an S Corp, <laughs> you know? Right. Uh, and she's like, no, a B Corporation is a voluntary kind of certification that you can get um, to tell people that you are, you know, caring about all of these things. Um, and so that intrigued me. And so I went to bcorporation.net and you can take an assessment. Um, you can start your assessment and finish it anytime. So you save your results as you go. Um, and it kind of walks you through each step. And it was extremely frustrating. I remember I've, I cussed out a bunch of people <laughs> during the time I was doing it. Um, but why it's frustrating is it's not just a checklist. It's definitely a journey. Um, there's a lot of things that take time and money to implement. Uh, for example, when we started this process and why it took us so long is we were a independent kind of contractor salon. So booth rent, um, a lot of people know it as that. Um, and with that, our tab for workers, for example, all the questions around workers, we scored very low in because we didn't technically have any workers. Right. Um, so that was something that I realized like, oh, is how important is B Corporation to me and to the people that we want to serve? So I had to make some changes. Um, and that wasn't something that we could just check off the list and do really quickly. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. So there was basically, you go through the assessment. I recommend a lot of salon owners that reach out to me about this. I tell them to go through the assessment, see where they score currently. You have to score at least 80 points to be a B corporation. Um, and it tells you with each question how to improve. And then after that, you can start making a list on which tab that you maybe scored low or that you can control at this time to score higher. Right. Okay. Like, so for us, we focused on sustainability. Okay. That was a tab that we could definitely score higher in. Um, and so during that process, once you, you know, hit 80 points, then it, um, prompts to have a interview. So once you have an interview, they go through the assessment with you and some things you may have filled out incorrectly. So that was happening. And, um, and so basically I had to continue to, um, try to score higher. And so that's why it took us so long. So basically I would say four classes and um, two interviews later, then we finally became a B Corporation. <laughs> and 
And after two years, you actually have to become a benefit corporation, which is different than a B corporation. Right. Um, a benefit corporation, actually, you go through um, legal and that way you can integrate it into your legal framework. So it's not just um, just through B Corp. It's also you know into your legal framework. So what that means is not only can consumers see how much you score, they can see all the different things that you're doing to be able to score those points. Okay. So um, as a business owner, what does it cost you to do? I mean, is there like an annual membership to be you know, certified as a B Corp business? I mean, how, how does that work? There is. Um, and they do it based on cost. Um, I still tell them that their range is a little crazy, but um, for us, it's $1,200 per year. Yeah. Now, some salon owners listening to this may think, oh my gosh, like, why would you ever do that? Yeah. You know, um, for me, it's the cost of having a good culture because it, not only helps us stay accountable to the things that we want to make sure that we're doing, it helps us to think of new ideas of things we may not have thought about doing. Yeah. Um, you know, like for example, like on our website, if you go to our website, um, we're doing a fashion swap, right? A clothing swap that's for the community. Um, and it's not just a clothing swap. We're doing it as a transformation event. So we're actually doing this whole thing for single moms that are on welfare. They can come to the salon, learn about how to dress themselves quickly <laughs> and um, learn how to have makeup and hair tips and then also get free clothing. You know, so it's also just goes above and beyond what's expected. Yeah. And to me, that is something that we really try to do with our salon is to challenge the status quo. Yeah. Anything that's doing that people are doing normally in the salon, we want to do different. Um, innovation is one of our values. And so I feel like being a B corporation helps us stay innovative and it helps to empower our team to think of things out of the box as well. Okay. So how is it since you did this, how has it benefited you? So, you know, if, if I mean, everyone would pay 1200 bucks for something and, and, uh, uh, I shouldn't say everyone, uh, but, but most people would, if they could see the value in it, okay, this is what's going to cost me per year to be registered. And it's going to take me X amount of time to, you know, come up to, to standards to, to, you know, be, um, to be certified, if that's the correct terminology. Um, and so then the question they're asking themselves as well, how's that going to benefit from me, uh, benefit me. So, so for you, in terms of your business, What's it done? Has it attracted more clients? Has it attracted uh, uh, more staff, better quality staff? You know, what are some of the uh, positive financial impacts that it's had on your business? Sure. Um, I think the first thing that comes to mind is brand loyalty, right? And that's something that a lot of salons want to have because what ends up happening, right, is they have a stylist, they grow their clientele, they leave and they go rent somewhere else. Um, the thing about being a B corporation, one, it's pretty rare and there's a, a little over a hundred, I would say in Colorado, which is amazing. Um, but these people will come like people that are just attracted to this type of movement will come to our salon and they'll drive, you know, an hour to get to our salon. Right. Uh, and that's because they want to shop for the you know, with their values in mind yeah, and support companies that are doing better for the world. They yeah. feel like they're a part of that when they do that. 
Okay. Um, you know, so there's been a lot of, we had some turnover when we were trying to find ourselves <laughs> and, um, and we noticed that we are starting to have really good brand loyalty because people know they can't go to another salon and expect the same kind of thing. Right. So it's very much about a culture that goes with it. It's not just, you know, ticking some boxes and passing some, you know, uh, some, some sort of audits as to how you treat your people and how you how sustainable you are. It's, it's very much about then living that particular culture within the business, which is yeah. great. Um, and, you know, $1,200 is not a, an insignificant amount of money, but basically, you know, in today's day and age, if, if you've got one client that's having a, you know, a, a haircut every two months, uh, and a color, well, you've, you know, you've probably paid your $1,200 if you've attracted one client because of that. So yeah, yeah, yeah I can, I can see, you know, financially while well, that makes sense. So let, let's talk about uh, sustainability because, you know, I, I think salons everywhere, salon owners everywhere um, are becoming more and more aware and have been constantly, you know, starting to rethink uh, about things like you know recycling and and uh, whether things are tested on animals and slave labor and child labor and all this sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah, um, definitely. Tell us about what that looks like in your salon. What is uh, how does you know w- what is the face of sustainability in your salon look like on a daily basis? Um, sure. Well, Green Circle Salons. Um, that's definitely like the first thing that a lot of salons know about. And that is a company that um, will take all of your salon waste. Um, But we go above and beyond that. And so we started out with, um, you know, just the basic things before Green Circle Salons, just to take back a few steps, because I feel like a lot of salon owners get overwhelmed with sustainability. Yeah, let Uh, me just jump in there. A lot of our... Uh, I know all our American audience will know what Green Circle Salons is. In in the UK, Europe, Australia, um, they don't have Green Circle, but they have local things that are very similar to it. So, you know, okay. a, a private companies that will, um, you know, dispose of uh, properly, ethically, uh, salon waste. So, yeah, so, so carry on, just so everyone knows what it is you're talking about. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, so we kind of went through this space as a team together at that time, that team that I had. Um, and we went through and said, okay, well, we could use glasses instead of anything. We did use glasses for like water and things like that instead of styrofoam, right? That's a huge yeah. one. Um, use towels that you can wash in the bathroom as opposed to things that you just, you know, throw away like paper towels. Um, so you could start there. Instead of having magazines, you could have books um, that stay, you know, at the salon. Yep. You could also implement something like we also do composting there. So we compost a lot of waste. So for example, you know, coffee, food waste, we have over 500 plants in our salon. So any kind of um, plant waste we put in there, we actually compost a lot of waste. So the biggest thing, if you want to make a sustainable um, effort is to Think about how many trash cans you have in your salon and change them out for something else like a recycling bin or compost because that's going to make it better as far as sustainability goes. The harder it is to throw away, the more people have to think about their waste. Mm -hmm. And so that's a big thing for us. Um, We also work with a company that is called Thistle Hill and they're out of Colorado and they take hard to recycle plastics. So we offer this to the community 
and our customers um, for them to come in, bring in any kind of plastic waste like, um, you know, grocery bags, dry cleaner bags, um, like Ziploc bags, things like that, that can't be recycled locally, they can bring in and we'll take the waste for them. Okay. And do, do you charge a, a fee on top of the service for that? Or do you include that fee in the price of the service? For the Green Circle Salon fee, we do um, charge a fee. Uh, we charge a dollar fee. And um, we basically like, we don't want to include it in the service because I want cu customers to know that they're a part of this movement. That because they were able to come to us today, that they've lowered their impact you know, and help the environment. Yeah. Um, we definitely help to educate the customers too on things like where your color waste goes, where all these foils go, um, all of that kind of thing in a way that feels like inspirational and not like, you know, <laughs> you should feel bad about yourself yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. Um, but, and then we challenge ourselves too. So every year we audit our own space and see like, what are some things that we're currently doing or supporting that we could change? So for example, we don't carry product companies like for drinks, we don't carry um, Coke or anything that doesn't represent our values. Okay. Um, so we are, we get very specific on even, you know, the tea that we carry there is from tea spot and they're a B corporation. Right. Um, you know, the creamer that we carry, we don't want to have little packets of creamers that we have to then just throw away. Um, so whatever thing that we are going to dispose of, we think of the life cycle of that product. Right. Okay. So um, it runs through absolutely everything you do. You, yeah. You, you touched on before um, uh, your, um, uh, your clothing swap. And I'm going to encourage everybody uh, to visit your website, which is uh, called Let Them Let Them Have It. Uh, let, uh, let sorry, <laughs> it's called Let Them Have It Salon .com. and I will put the link for Let Them Have It Salon .com, which will be in the show notes on my website for the podcast. Um, and I encourage everyone to go to it because when I went to the Let Them Have It Salon .com website on the homepage, there is a clothing swap just like right in front of you. It is, uh, you know, you can't <laughs> get away from it. And I was like, wow, what is all this about? And it's interesting that, you know, all of a sudden we've gone from this fast disposable fashion to, to people just going, uh, particularly, you know, Generation Z going enough. Do you know what I mean? Just enough. Yes. Like, we don't need to keep <laughs> buying stuff. For the yes. sake of it, and uh, so uh, you know, and a, a salon um, is a very interesting place, you know, for that. So I know you touched on it a minute ago, but just tell a little bit, tell us a little bit about how that works, uh, the clothing swap. And I, like I said, I encourage people to go to your website to actually have a look at it because I think you've done a great job of the way you put that together. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, so this is our third annual fashion swap. And how we do it is pretty much everything in our salon is on wheels, which is amazing um, because then we can provide it, have an event space also. Um, so we move our color bar out of the way and we create it, we make it look like a boutique there. So people will drop off clothes in advance and then we'll hang everything up, have it ready. Um, we'll put chairs out. So it's almost like a workshop. Um, people will come in, sit down, have a refreshment and learn about how to pair an outfit. So it's not just 
come in, grab clothes. It's an educational oh, um, okay. event as well. Yeah. Um, we do have these transformation events. We have um, different series every you know quarter. And you um, do those yourself. You, you you do the you know the the education component, or you have someone else come in and do that as a stylist, or what? We do it ourselves. Um, the person that's doing the wardrobe, she's uh, actually my neighbor, but she is getting into um, becoming a wardrobe stylist. Okay. And so she's also a mom, and this transformation event is called Mom's Life. Um, and it's all about how moms typically have no time to themselves and can't really get up and go. Um, so how can we help them dress professionally, look great in a very quick amount of time? Yeah. And so I thought because she's a mom and she's a wardrobe stylist, perfect. Let's have her come in and she's one of our clients. So yeah. let's have her come in, talk about how to layer, how to style, and then help people shop, even though it's free clothing. Yeah. Um, and then we'll have little breakout sessions. So we'll have a makeup area. Um, our stylist will help them with how to do makeup tips. And we'll have a hair area and people will show them how to like style their hair, you know, from day one to day four dirty hair. <laughs> okay. Um, and so we try to do these events to help people like not just come in, get clothes. It's more just, it's a whole kind of community event. Yeah. Does it generate new business for you? Um, definitely. We had some people that came in and we, um, they didn't know about us before, but they just saw the fashion swap, uh, last year and now they're a client of ours. Okay. Um, we, we do it for that, but we also do it as a way to team build. Our team loves doing these type of things. Um, and a lot of times these are their ideas that they yeah. come up with. Um, for example, in October, we had our first transformation event last year. One of our stylists that started with us, she was attracted to our company because we do a lot of education. Um, so she was walking by one day and was like, oh my gosh, they're doing a Jane you know, Ito salon class or whatever. And so she came in, realized that we're a B corporation. And one of her um, goals was to do a transformation from head to toe makeover for the transgender community. Mm -hmm. And we thought, oh, that's such a cool thing. We should do that. And so our first you know, transformation event was for the transgender community. And it was a really powerful event and it really helped people to kind of feel better from the inside out. Um, and the funny thing was, is like, it was moms that would bring their transgender kids that were new, like to transitioning and didn't feel confident in themselves. And this was their first time of basically like coming out to this. Yeah. Yeah. And so we have a client that is a transgendered um, woman and she was there to talk about her experience and helped these teenage kids like see that this is okay. Like this is totally normal. And so we help them, you know, with how to dress, we help them with their makeup, how to like do their hair and feel good about themselves. Yeah. And so it was a really moving kind of experience. And we thought, let's do this, but for different communities to help empower people from the inside out. Yeah. Okay. And, well, you know, so yeah. So yeah. So that's what we um, did. And so we decided we're going to do this and change it up every time. And, but yeah. Okay. And you said before something about um, when you first started talking about it, you mentioned something about, was it, was it for solo moms or? 
Um, oh yeah, for single um, mothers. So we work with a company out here called Center. Um, it's a, basically CWE. It's Center for Work Education and Employment. Right. And it's a really cool company that helps single mothers get off yep. of welfare and back into the workforce. Um, and they have a whole facility that has a boutique. So they help them with interview skills. They help them with like, you know, um, just soft and technical skills. And they also have a daycare there. It's a pretty amazing company. Yeah. Um, so we invited them to come and to also help them with having more clothes and um, basically like, you know, just having a different kind of experience. Yeah. Um, so all of this really goes back to that whole uh, tagline at the beginning I mentioned, or you mentioned it as well, about business should be a force for good. Definitely. And, um, I mean, yes, you're running a profitable, you know, successful hairdressing business, but you are also heavily uh, into sustainability. You're heavily into um, uh, culture within your team and you're heavily into your community uh, and volunteering. I mean, I know we haven't got time to cover everything, but I know I read on your website or somewhere I read uh, uh, about your, your team, you know, uh, uh, clean up the local park across the road from the salon or something. I, have I got that right? <laughs> I, I've got that yeah. right, haven't I? I uh, yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, you're just yeah. making stuff up now. No? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot. There's a lot of great stuff that's going on there. So that 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 sort of you know uh, you know we need to segue into this next bit, which is talking about business because yes, you're doing a lot of great stuff there and you're giving back and um, in a big way and you're building community and you know paying a lot of attention to sustainability etc. and and sort of leading the way and I, I salute you for that. Um, from a business point of view, I know that from our earlier conversations that when you opened the salon that you opened the salon with a business model uh, which is booth rental in, in uh, the Europe and UK and Australia. We're more likely to call that rent a chair. Uh, but I think everyone knows what booth rental means, like it, that independent contractor. And that over time, you changed that model to a different model. So um, I, I want you to talk about why you changed it, how you changed it, and you know, talk, tell us about what's happened. Um, yeah, so we started out as a booth rent salon because I myself was a booth renter. Um, and I honestly didn't want to be a boss. <laughs> and I didn't want to, um, you know, I didn't want to be a boss because I felt like I didn't um, have the confidence or the information on how to be a boss. You know, I didn't know how to pay payroll and all these things. So I was afraid to um, basically do what we're doing now, which is team based. Um, and I'll touch on that in a minute. But we started out as booth rent. We were a booth rent salon for about maybe two years. Um, we've been open for seven years this year. And what I quickly realized is when we first opened our doors, all of the booth renters that we had there, they would just block themselves out. And so new customers would come in and I would be the only one working there. Mm. <laughs> so new customers would think like, are you guys okay? Are you going to go out of business? And, you know, and I really, I, I strive or I thrive in a team environment and learning from each other, seeing each other grow. Like I realized that I'm just a landlord and yeah. nothing more. Um, and so to me, that was not inspiring. Mm -hmm. So I decided to create like an eight month apprenticeship program. 
um, where I had an assistant at the time and I got my feet wet a little bit with um, starting to be a boss. And I trained this person from the ground up out of beauty school and I saw her grow and I thought, this is really fulfilling. Um, So then I started to do hire more commission stylists. And then I was a commission salon for, I was a hybrid, booth rent and commission. So we gradually weeded out booth rent, then became commission. Um, And then, you know. Without changing staff or did you, did you lose? Oh yeah, without. Um, with changing staff, definitely, because, you know, the people that you start with aren't going to necessarily help you grow Yeah. Um, towards your vision, you know? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was a lot of hard years. And so then commission, and I realized, you know, what's happening is people are just building their chair. That's all they care about is themselves. And then they're leaving and going somewhere else to rent. Um, so I felt like this isn't really inspiring, you know, and I had saw strategies, which is a team-based company and they're, um, they were at serious business, which is a conference that happens every year. I love that conference. And I I remember, Oh, so amazing. We went this year, but, um, but anyways, they were like, I was thinking I could never be a team-based salon. Are you kidding me? Like people are actually going to be paid hourly. No way you know, no commissions or anything like that. And so I just kind of was like, yeah, that's a pipe dream. That's not going to happen. So I was finally at my wits end where my last employee that was commissioned came to me and she was doing the bare minimum coming in, you know, right at the time that we start um, leaving right after her client didn't offer to help clean up, do anything like that. And she comes to me and she's like, I need a higher percentage of commission. And I've been here for three years. And I'm like, well, um, you're not really doing as much as everybody else. And so she basically left and took 300 clients with her. And I thought, we have no brand loyalty. We have nothing. Like This is like every year we have to basically rebuild. Hmm. Um, And we're never growing. So I thought, either I close the business or I do a drastic change. So I went to the Strategies 4-Day Incubator, which is basically a boot camp for business owners. And I learned how much I didn't know. And it was exciting to me. And it felt like, wow, I can actually plan, like plan my year with a cash flow and like know what my payroll is going to be and like when to profit and when to give raises and we could have team bonuses and all this stuff. And I could actually offer like healthcare and all the things that I've been wanting to do. Like, how amazing is that? You know, to me, that's inspiring. So I decided that we would, you know, try this out and do the coaching. And so I've been with them now for like almost two years. Um, And I definitely feel like I've drank the Kool-Aid because I think that I've seen a huge shift in our culture. Um, But it wasn't easy at all. Like, we basically, you know, last year I had to convert from um, commission to team-based and it was very hard. We ended up having seven um, stylists in last January and went down to one. Um, and I was working, you know, full-time behind the chair. Um, so, yeah, 
it was definitely a hard thing, but I believed in our vision and I believed in what was going to be. And so now we're just growing and we're slowly climbing out of the hole that we have put ourselves in over the years. Yeah, of, so so the, exist, the existing people that were there, they didn't want to change the system that they were used to. And so yeah. sometimes you have to do that. You know, sometimes it, it is a case of, well, what I've got isn't working. So how bad can it yeah. get? Do you know what I mean? Definitely. And uh, you're not the first one and you won't be the last um, who have literally lost everyone and then rebuilt from the ground up. But then when you rebuild, at least you're then rebuilding into a culture that this is our culture and this is how we do it. And if you want yeah. to work here, then this is what it looks like. And so you end up attracting people that share in that vision and share that culture and share that dream. And it doesn't mean that they're paid less. Uh, quite often, they're actually paid more. Um, right. But it's about getting people to understand that. And a lot of people, unfortunately, in our industry are fixated on that one number. And you mentioned that when you said someone came to you and said, I want a higher percentage commission. And, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, it's just not what it's always about. Sometimes it's not about what you're getting, what, what the percentages that you're getting. It's what you're getting, uh, uh, what, what the amount is that you're getting a percentage of. You know, right. I, I would rather be getting 40% of, of 2,000 than, you know, than 65% of, you know, 1,200 or something. But a lot of people can't see that. So, yes. uh, it, you know, the business has got to win as a business as well as the individuals winning. And that is, you know, I like the concept of team-based pay. And, you know, it, it, it's about having coming up with something where the business wins and the individuals that are in it also win. And when it's a win-win for everybody, and that sort of very much fits in with this whole, you know, B Corp thing about, you know, caring for people, business being a, a force for good, et cetera, et cetera. I can see why that's a, you know, a very good fit with your whole business philosophy. Yes, definitely. So, so as you've rebuilt, you know, with new team members, um, how have they, I mean, uh, have they worked in team-based environments before? Or basically they came with, well, I'm coming with nothing, so anything's got to be better than nothing, uh, and <laughs> then become converts to it. How's that work? So we only hire people out of um, beauty school yeah. because I believe in building new habits. Yeah. And um, I train everybody one-on-one. And so this is how it is. This is where you start. And this is, I basically tell them all the things about team base, yeah. um, including that we pay for behaviors. We don't pay for how much money you make behind the chair. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I love about it is I've taken control again of the culture that I want to create because I'm now um, looking at somebody's behavior versus, oh, this person does a ton of color and they make a lot of money, but they're kind of jerks to people around them. Yeah. Well, and now I'm still paying them for that. So it helps you to um, have a better culture because you can keep people accountable to their behaviors. Mm-hmm. And so what I also love about that too, is they, they can see that there's a career growth um, beyond just behind the chair. Like for example, we have a um, stylist that is amazing and he's such a good teacher and he loves teaching. So um I asked him, what would be your ultimate vision for yourself? You know, and he said, I would love to work three days a week behind the chair and work one day training. Mm-hmm. So I thought we can do that. Let's do that. Um, because really what we're selling here is ours. So if you can help me train new people to work behind the chair, that's going to add value to our salon. 
as opposed to just what you can do with your hands behind the yep. chair. So yep. there's a lot more growth potential with team-based because you can only do so much behind the chair as far as how much money you make. But together as a team, we can make more money. And with that, like our salon, you know, the more money that we make, the more it goes back into our team. So they can start to see that, that it's not just about how much money they're making, but how, how can they make that person next to them busy? How can they make everyone in the salon busy and not just what they're doing? Yeah, um, that's that, that whole team culture. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's really inspiring. And we start the, the morning off with a huddle and we talk about the things that we did yesterday. That was a huge win and things that we need to work on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so, so, yeah, I think it's a really cool thing because we celebrate, you know, together and we help each other get better as opposed to just me, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, so there's a, there's a lot of potential there. It's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I agree. It's, I mean, it's not for everybody. A lot of people don't, don't want that. But I mean, you said it before, you love being part of a team. I love being part of a team. Uh, but there are a lot of people in our industry that they see themselves as just being a business unit of one and they don't want to be part of a team. And that's a shame. And if you want people like that, then that's what you attract. But if you want mm-hmm. people that are going to be part of the, of a culture and a team-based thing that although the transition can be very hard, um, that when you come out the other end of it, I don't know too many people who go, um, I want to go back to what I had. In fact, I don't know. Right. Yeah. So yeah. And I think you started it as well at the beginning when you said to me, I did this booth rental because I didn't know how to do any other way. I didn't know how right. to do payroll or, you know, how to employ people, et cetera. And so it was the easy option because that's what you were used to because it's what you knew. And just because it's what you know, it doesn't mean it's, you know, going to be the best thing for you going forward. Exactly. I, I, I ask a lot of salon owners this, um, and I'd be interested to see how you answer it. Uh, you may have heard me ask other people it, and it's this. What do you find young people want today? You, you were talking about the young man who works for you, who does a lot of your education and stuff now. Uh, maybe the answer lies within that somewhere. Uh, but, but what is it that you find that when you're employing new people, um, what is it that they're looking for? What do they want? I think that people want a sense of purpose. And I think they want to be heard and they want to see that their owners care about them other than just being a number, Um, you know, and something that I get really a lot of fulfillment out of is to understand what each person in our team loves. Like, what do they, what do they love to do, you know, and try to help them create that in our space. Um, for example, one of our people that we just hired this year as a salon leader, she was a activist for Greenpeace. And so she like is taking on our sustainability, um, you know, part of our company. And she's like really helping to drive that. And, um, she, you know, booked a volunteer day for us to all go out and plant trees. And I'm like, this is so cool because this is giving her fulfillment. Mm. This, this, I feel like Money is not always the drive. It's not always the motivation. I think what is the motivation is people feeling good about the impact and the purpose that they're making in the world. And so if you can tap into that, um, it helps them feel like they have a sense of purpose and what they should be doing with their lives. And defining the culture that you've defined will attract people that are a 
that are, that are believers that are that are a fit for that. So yeah, good exactly. on exactly. Um, wh- one other thing, I was looking at your website that really jumped out at me was you're really big on the cancellation policy thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I love that. I think that's great that you are. Uh, just talk about that for a minute. About you know, I mean, it's all over your website. I mean, in the <laughs> nicest possible way, it, it makes it very clear that you know I'm a professional and please treat me like one. And if you're going to cancel, this is what you need to do. So yeah, just just riff on that for a moment. Well, I think that, you know, uh, what did it for me was realizing that customers don't, don't know, um, until you tell them that your time is valuable. Right. And so it's how we want to train our people, our customers to respect us. Um, and so knowing that, uh, you know, that there's a cancellation policy in place, they may take us more seriously. Um, and so we let them know that because, I feel like if you wait and now you're just resentful and bitter and upset that this person no showed you for the third time and you never do anything about it, then that's on you. Um, and so we put it on the front page. And then also when they go to book, uh, we have a really funny book at our, on our waiting like coffee table that says, don't be a dick and how, how to not be a dick basically. Um, and so I made, you know, I made it fun and just said, you know, if you know, show us, we're going to send you this book for free. Okay. (laughs) Um, but you know, just kind of making it funny and in their face. I mean, our salon is called let them have it after all. Uh, but we don't always implement this fee onto people. We consider everybody's um, situation. So if somebody's really sick or their kid's sick or something like that, we're not going to charge them a fee. Um, but it's 50% of their total service. If they don't give us 48 hours notice, um, there's so many ways to give us notice too. Like we offer texting, they can email us like all of the things. So when somebody just doesn't show up, I feel like they should, you know, be charged. Yeah, I totally uh, agree. I totally agree. Yeah. I mean, you said earlier on, we're selling time, and that's exactly yeah. what we're doing. And, you know, when you've got someone booked into that block of time and they don't show, I mean, you know, whether it's a 30-minute a, a appointment for a man's haircut or a, or a three-hour color correction or something, you know, you can't recoup that money if you don't get right. any warning. And um, it, it can be a, a huge impact on a salon's profitability. So, you know, culturally, I think it's a good thing to do. And I think you've handled it in a good way, the way you do display it. Um, <laughs> one other thing I wanted to talk about was, was I know we were talking earlier about, uh, before we got on the air, we were talking about retail and the, the, the retail side of your business. And you mentioned that Davinos is currently the only uh, B Corp uh, manufacturer, um, you know, hair product company. Um, and obviously, that's why you decided to to uh, partner with them. Um, is is retail a big part of your salon business? Retail is a huge part. But to back up real quick, Anthony, so um, Davines was not a B corporation when we partnered with them. Oh, okay. Um, okay. So yeah, we were both on these parallel journeys together. And I had went to their worldwide hair tour and had realized that they were trying to become a B corporation. And so I then talked to Davide that was there and the CEO of the company. And he was just telling me how hard it is and that they really believe in this B corporation thing. And I couldn't believe how we were both on these journeys, Mm. Um, but we were carrying them at that time. So it just made me more endeared to them. 
but um but yeah so so Davines is definitely like our main line that we focus on and then we also carry other like small independent companies for different things like candles and you know um think gift items basically but they're either local um minority owned they're not you know tested on animals they have to align with our values which we have on our website yeah. Um, so sales reps don't really come to us anymore, which is amazing. Um, but yeah, cause we have such strict standards for, for what we carry. Yeah. And if something doesn't align with our values, we stop carrying it. Um, right. so yeah. Okay. And you know, this sort of also, uh, fits in with what we were talking about before with, you know, your team based thing, uh, and retail and and culture with having a brand that's a fit. So uh, the question I'm asking you is this: what what sort of size of a retail business do you have? Like what percentage of your you know total sales would come from retail? So we strive for over twenty percent, um, wow. and we do twenty one percent currently. Fantastic. Um, some months are better than others, right during the holidays, but yeah. a, a lot of um, miscon misperception of uh, team-based, a lot of salon owners that are friends with me are like, how do you sell retail though? Because they're not making a commission. Um, again, our drive there is not just money. Mm. I think when you're, when you're driven by commission, you actually, that's not a motivation or an inspirational thing. Um, so for us, it's a, all about the customer. How can we best like help that customer? So it comes down to recommendations and how we are recommending, you know, recommending retail. Um, we have a system there that we do that's called the love system. And it's like a seven steps um, to creating a successful salon experience. And we do a lot of role play around that. Um, it starts with how you prepare yourselves for the day to how you're following up with the customer afterwards. Um, so we go through during the whole training program and we talk about all of these different things like, you know, how did you just like drive to work crazy and frantic and now you're 10 minutes late for your customer and that's how you're starting your day? Or did you start your day, you know, maybe with meditation or did you, you know, have a cup of coffee, something to help put you in the best headspace? Um, and then things like, you know, are you dressed comfortably? Or are you going to be distracted all day long because you wore the totally wrong shoes and now all you can think about is that, <laughs> you know? Um, so how can you best equip yourself to be a professional so that your mind is clear and you can help that customer with the challenges that they're coming in with? Um, one of them being their scalp and hair, right? That we all forget about and they need to know what we're using on them. And so we just put them up at the front and say, this is what we used on you and, you know, put it in their notes so that they can always refer back to it. Um, and that's it. Like, you don't have to be like, do you want to buy this today? Like, you don't have to be a sleazy, you know, salesy person. Um, it's really just doing our job. Yeah. And, and there is no uh, commission for that status, whether the client buys it or not. No, you know, I mean, I always say, I mean, I'm sure they get remunerated in other ways, but you know, I, exactly. I, I always say that um, if the sole reason that people are going to recommend a bottle of shampoo to me is because they get a dollar fifty or whatever commission for doing it, then that's completely the wrong reason uh, and yeah. sort of unsustainable because a dollar fifty doesn't motivate you much either. No, you know, so, so on on its own, 
you know, that commission thing to sell retail is is not what is going to be the benchmark to grow a salon's retail business. Um, that it has to be because the hairdresser genuinely cares about that client in their chair and will give them the benefit of all their expertise. And that includes what they need to be using on the hair or what they have used on the hair while they're in the salon and give them the opportunity then to take some home with them should they wish. And if you're getting 21% of your total sales coming from retail, um, that's a really good example of how it just reinforces that. that uh, because, you know, the average salon out there in the U.S., you would be very lucky if they were doing half that. Um, uh, so, you know, achieving 21% of, of your total revenue from retail is fantastic. But uh, listen, I, I know we could keep going, but unfortunately, we need to wrap up. So um, I just want to say, uh, first of all, if you are listening to this podcast and have enjoyed uh, hearing what Feline Wells has had to say, then please take a screenshot on your phone and post it to your Instagram stories and uh, and share it with your people. We'd really appreciate that. Um, I'd also like to, again, reinforce the fact that I'll put in the show notes a couple of website links for you to, to check out. Um, uh, Feline, where can people connect with you on social? Uh, Instagram, what's the easiest way to connect with you should anyone wish to? Uh, well, we have a let them have it salon on Instagram and they can also like reach out to me directly, Feline Wells. Um, and I'm sure you'll put my, the spelling of my name in the show notes. <laughs> I will. I will. But for anyone who doesn't, who doesn't find the show notes, it's Feline. Feline is F-A-L-L-E-N-E and then Wells, uh, W-E-L-L-S. Okay. So, uh, at Feline Wells on Instagram. Yeah. Um, or at uh, Let Them Have It Salon. Is that correct? Yes. Cool. All right. Um, so, Feline, I would just like to say what a, a, an inspiring conversation we've had. And, uh, you know, I think if we could uh, look into the future, a lot of the stuff that you have touched on today will become the norm in a lot of other businesses because, you know, I think I said in the in the introduction, well, not I think I said, I know I said in the introduction that, you know, that there is a real sense of urgency about taking better care of our planet and the people in it. And that, you know, it's not necessarily about waiting for governments to clean up the planet and make things right. It's about what can everyone do and that business should very definitely be a force for good. And everyone in their own way can do that, whether you've got a, a, a salon with half a dozen people working for you in, you know, Denver, Colorado, or whether you're a big multinational like, you know, Patagonia or, or Ben and Jerry's or Hootsuite or Allbirds, or, or Allbirds, you know, everyone can do it. So I want to congratulate you on, on what you're doing. I think you're doing a great job. And I want to say, uh, Feline Wells, thank you so much for being on the Grow My Salon Business podcast. Thank you for having me. I so appreciate it. Cheers. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, you'll find us at growmysalonbusiness.com or on Facebook and Instagram at growmysalonbusiness. And if you enjoyed tuning into our podcast, make sure that you subscribe, like, and share it with your friends. Until next time, this is Anthony Whitaker wishing you continued success.